Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis on what's going on in the world, trying to make sense of everything that you're seeing in the news. And also just trying to see what the newest level of 1984 happens to be in the United States of America, because, wow, there's a lot of fun connections to be made. But there's one single narrative, and that is if you don't agree with the regime, um, you're probably a Russian puppet. So uh, and that's uh, that's that's spread worldwide now. So um, (laughs) there's a a lot of stuff to talk about, obviously, on some of the Russia-Ukraine front, um, but there's a lot of other fun things that are going on, too. But there's a semi of a, um, I'm kind of springing this on Alan, a little bit of a personal thing that I want to bring up of the uh, true effect of dumb liberalism that can happen in cities everywhere. And I kind of forgot to bring this up last night when Alan and I were having our call, but you're having a situation where you live because basically Seattle has been declared a homeless sanctuary. Uh, yes. I, I, be either de facto or probably on by law. Now I have no idea. It's, it's getting worse. That's for sure. That's for sure. Like, I, I know we talked about this, you know, quite a while ago where there were certain things that were going on within Seattle itself where they were saying, like, um, somebody's car can be considered their house because they might live in it. And so uh, police weren't able to uh, tell people that they had to, like, move their car. And obviously there's been a ton of reports, not just in uh, Washington, but places like San Francisco, Los Angeles, and and everywhere where there's like tent cities being set up. And so we've talked a lot about this before, but now you basically have people that just like walk down the street where you work and smash out car windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened this week. Luckily, I walked to work, but apparently during the day, at some point, some piece of human detrius <laughs> walked down, was walking down the street where a bunch of cars were parked along the street and then had a bag full of rocks or something and was just swinging and smashing every rear window of every car he passed. Wow. So about three of my fellow employees had their windows uh, broken. And then a couple other people that parked in the street did as well. And uh, we also, this last week had the lock cut off of our truck to try and steal all the tools out of it. But luckily the, they couldn't because the way they broke the lock couldn't get in the lock recess, and so actually get in. Uh, and then last week, that someone tried to break the lock uh, and their tool broke, and so we found the end of a tool, probably a tire iron, uh, broken off next to the truck, and the lock was all bashed bashed apart. But luckily, mo- either both both times, no one's been able to get in. Uh, of course, last month they did get in. They busted off the previous lock, which was just one of those little combo locks, and uh, tools. So 
yeah, it's uh, definitely getting worse here. And this is what happens when you defund the police. And this is what happens when you let the homeless run rampant everywhere. And it doesn't end unless until someone forces all of these people off the street at gunpoint. <laughs> now, do, do you guys have any... Um... That's it. There is only one solution, and that is forcing the, the homeless out of the city. So the, the question, do you guys have any of the issues with, like, looting and stuff? Or is that is that more just, like, kind of encapsulated to California? Because if it's, like, I think something, like, below $1,000, uh, they won't be prosecuted. Do you guys have anything like that going on in Seattle or no? At our store, no. I mean, I'm sure there is. That stuff's happening probably some somewhere. Uh, at least at our store, no. Um, it's fine. Like... It's nothing beyond what has always happened, which is like every now and then someone will shoplift a wrench or oh, right, right, right. something else. But we're selling all the, all of the like old tools we sell. We sell for like a dollar anyway. So yeah, like the, it's not that big a deal. Normal shrink that you would get. Okay. Uh, I just want to, I yeah, never actually then, paid I, attention. That, but... that has an uptick. I'm not sure about other places in Seattle, like a Walgreens or other places where people can just go in and steal stuff. We're also really a small kind of operation. So it's. It'd be more difficult to steal anything of value here. It's like I can see if you – I don't know where someone guy's going to resell a bunch of antique doorknobs or <laughs> something, but I can definitely see how you would find a fence for a bunch of hair care products or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, and it's always a Walgreens. It's like always a Walgreens. <laughs> like every video you see, it's a Walgreens, which is – I'm not sure why that is, but it's, it's – um, it bears investigation why it always seems to be a Walgreens that's getting sacked. Um, so it this is like th- this is weird, right? We're we're kind of diving into something that a year ago we absolutely talked about, and um, I remember this. So one of the big news stories that came out this week, which it, it frustrates and it annoys me. Um, because the way that it's being presented is the New York Times has confirmed the Hunter Biden laptop story. And the thing I hate most about those words is it suggests that we need the New York Times to confirm it as true. Now, I understand that that's not exactly the presentation that people were going for, but it is a weird way to couch the terms because I just, I hate that headline because it almost does suggest like, well, now that the New York times has confirmed it, uh, we, we can all celebrate how true it was, but the laptop story with Hunter Biden was true the entire time. And we all knew it. It should be like New York times has deigned to tell the truth. So for those of you who aren't fully aware Um, The long story short on this is Hunter Biden settled a tax debt uh, in a uh, court case that's going on uh, with a grand jury. But uh, there's more investigating that's occurring under the DOJ and in this grand jury. And so when the New York Times reported on Hunter Biden settling like a million dollar tax debt, they also... Uh, obtained emails that proved a lot of the evidence that was found on Hunter Biden's laptop and wrote a story where they confirmed the existence or confirmed that the laptop story just before the 2020 election was true. 
Now, when we were covering this last year prior to the election, so or maybe it was longer than that now, <laughs> but when we were covering this prior to the election, there was this letter that came out and it had like 50 uh, former intelligence officials that were claiming that the laptop story was Russian disinformation. And we covered that. And we even covered this statement that I'm about to play from the debates between Joe Biden and President Trump at the time. So here is uh, Joe Biden and Trump discussing Hunter Biden's laptop. And this is what Joe Biden had to say. The character of the country is on the ballot. Our characters in the ballot. Look at us closely. Let me ask some follow-up. Please respond, if and then we're going to have follow-up. This is true questions. about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq. If this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby, Joe. They're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody. Hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue Excuse of race. Me. We're Take talking a look at about the, the issue from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. President Trump, and I you have just... to respond to that, please. Because look, Very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly be. what is this that's where you're exactly going? What this is told. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia. I want to stay on the issue. of. How poignant was that? Is that seriously where you're going? This laptop story is Russia, Russia, Russia. Now let let me remind everybody that so so number one, obviously we'll we'll once again celebrate the thing that we told everybody when this first came out that this is true. Uh, that when when the letter came out, I remember that when this letter came out, and uh, it was all these like fifty former intelligence community people, to include like uh, Joe Biden just said in that clip, five former heads of the CIA were all saying that this was Russian disinformation. One of the things that we pointed out during that discussion was the fact that absolutely zero of those people would still have any real access to any intelligence information. Now, understand, they're going to couch these terms properly. They're going to say that it has the, quote, hallmarks of Russian disinformation. That gives them an out. It means that they could say, well, it looks like it Hmm. might be. But then when people come back, as they are now, and people might be investigating this, because there are calls right now by Republican lawmakers to look into all of the people who signed this letter. Now, Um, I will say real quick that part of the reason why I think some Republican lawmakers might be upset and want to investigate this is because there probably were several Republican lawmakers who bought that letter because they're idiots, because they get played by the left every single time. And now they got played and they could have been investigating this prior to the election, but they didn't. Because they were more afraid of Donald Trump because he wasn't one of their like because he wasn't shiny and he made their jobs difficult because they had to answer hard questions from their constituents. And so they thought, well, geez, maybe Joe Biden will be better. And now that Joe Biden is exactly the dumpster fire that everybody who was on the side of truth and reality warned you about, these Republican lawmakers are playing the oh shit game uh, and are probably upset. But besides that, 
The point is, is when they go to investigate it, I guarantee you that the way that this everything's been worded, they're going to say, well, we were saying it had the hallmarks of it. We didn't say we knew it was. You know, we just made a letter that was full of a bunch of intelligence community folks saying that it's Russian disinformation, but it doesn't technically say that we knew for a fact. And this is exactly how this is exactly how these people constantly rewrite history. Every single time. Yeah. No, and it, it, all of this is about poisoning the well. Because how many people, how many liberals heard it's Russian disinformation and this intelligence community source is saying it's Russian disinformation and therefore assumed, well, that's absolutely true. The intelligence community is saying it. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's all I need to know about this forever. Well, I mean, experts. And it poisons the well. Now, yeah. The experts agree this is Russian disinformation. And so now we say, but look at this. Look at the horrible things in this laptop. There's child porn. There's drug use. It proves all of this corruption between him, the Joe Biden, the U.S. government, and these Ukrainian oligarchs. And they just go, no, no, I've heard the trust and disinformation. And now everyone has to argue about whether or not it's Russian disinformation rather than arguing about the content of the laptop. It's a, it's a genius strategy but it makes it essentially impossible to have realistic conversations. Right. Because there were some very shocking revelations and there, I mean, there's a ton of questions to be asked, right? Like if Rudy Giuliani has uh, purportedly has um, a copy of the hard drive, like where the hell has this been going? But maybe now I'm, I'm not shilling for Giuliani by any means here, but like maybe things are being done. This happens a lot where, there are things being done in the background, and we only find out about it later. Um, it's an unfortunate thing because it always seems like the left is way better at communicating what they're doing about something. Although, to be fair, sometimes they're doing nothing about it, and all they're doing is screaming. But I feel like I would still feel a little bit better if you know I had the idea that re- the Republican Party was actually doing something, especially when you have like the son of a president who's obviously selling the position of his father to foreign companies obviously is taking kickbacks and being exceedingly corrupt obviously has things that are very questionable to include the potential of child porn on his computer. Like these are all things that should be investigated. Um, but I'm not, it, it doesn't feel like there's any movement. Like I said, maybe there is, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. So it a hundred percent feels like, you know, we're in that situation where if somebody wandered on the Capitol, they're treated like a terrorist, but you know, if you're the son of the, you know, former vice president or, you know, current president, you can like diddle your like niece and everything's fine. But um, point is, uh, besides that, uh, there's another story that also has come out regarding Hunter Biden, because Hunter Biden seems to be the largest liability for Joe Biden. And I understand this because there's a lot of people that will always bring up like they, you know, bringing kids into, you know, bring bringing someone's children into something is bad. And uh, to an extent, I kind of understand. But it's a very different thing when that kid is selling their father. You know what I'm saying? Like the reason why Hunter mm-hmm. Biden gets away with what he gets away with is because of who his dad is. And he was selling that influence. Uh, everyone remembers the 10 percent for the big guy and all the deals that are being made by Hunter Biden. goes to the big guy, Joe Biden. So Joe Biden receives a percentage 
of these corrupt dealings in places like Ukraine, in places like Russia. There was the mayor of Moscow's wife who gave $3.4 million to Joe Biden, or sorry, to Hunter Biden. And there needs, apparently needs not be any explanation, according to the press secretary. Her response when asked about this this week, Jen Psaki's response was, Hunter Biden is a private citizen. That was her response. Yeah. Now understand, that mayor of Moscow is one of the oligarchs who could be sanctioned, but has yet to be. Hooray! So, just want to say, now... One of the other things that has occurred is uh, there was footage that was released, and we talked about it at the time. Project Veritas, a journalist from Project Veritas, had his apartment raided by the FBI. And then now footage has been released, which you guys can find by uh, looking for Veritas. uh, I think it's Veritas Raid. Uh, But there's now video footage of the FBI basically kicking the door down and putting a journalist on the on the ground and ransacking his apartment. This is the Department of Justice, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, and the FBI raiding a journalist's apartment. That's something that I thought only happened in Russia, right? Like, th- this is the kind of thing that we're fighting big bad Russia for, you know, suppressing journalism, opposition journalism. Uh, and why were they raiding it? Because of a rumor that Project Veritas had either the original or a copy of Ashley Biden's diary, which contains creepy stories about showers with Joe Biden. Gross. Now they didn't have a copy of that diary. In fact, somebody tried to give it to them and they did not want to take it because it's veracity was questionable. Um, and you know, it seemed, it seemed weird at the time. Uh, but and I believe they even reported it. But the next thing you know, it's the the, ne- the next thing that we know that the FBI is looking for this diary, which seems weird enough. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like seems it seems very strange. But you know, and for those of you who don't know, Ashley Biden is the daughter of Joe Biden. It's, it's the daughter of Joe and Jill uh, because Hunter uh, Hunter and Bo uh, are not Jill's kids. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, first wife was killed in a car accident. And he lost his first daughter um, in that car accident. Just so everyone knows. Um, point. The point is, though, is you have the FBI raiding a journalist's apartment looking for a diary. Looking for looking for the president daughter's diary. That sounds weird, right? Like, isn't that just kind of weird on its face? It sounds like there's, it sounds like there's something in that diary that everyone should absolutely know about. If that's the case, right, right. Like that's exactly it. Is like my my normal reaction to this would be like, who gives a shit? Except the fact that they're like smashing through the doors and the FBI's like. Like, get on the ground over a diary. It's like, okay, well, now we we need to know what's in this thing. This obviously has something that scared Joe Biden so much uh, that he has to, like, send armed, you know, armed troops in 
uh, to like, you know, threaten journalists about releasing it. So what the hell is in there? Is it more 10% for the big guy or are they going to claim that that's also Russian disinformation? Because this is, as, as many of you are starting to see the pattern or have seen for years now, remember in 2016, a bunch of emails were released by WikiLeaks that outlined Democrat corruption, that outlined the absolute disgust and grotesque opinions uh, that the Democrats have for the American people. Also had weird coded language that um, created a ton of different conspiracy theories on what the hell they were talking about, which one, uh, obviously, again, another pattern you all might be seeing um, has may have something to do with uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, real quick, uh, might have something to do with children. Uh, because there was all that weird reference to cheese pizza. Now, I'm not saying I believe one way or the other. It just seems odd that that always seems to be a theme um, of kitty porn. Right. Uh, because I will. Well, yeah. I will say uh, I have a good friend who actually is a um, a forensic analyst who does regularly have to, uh, unfortunately, uh, go through child porn cases and things like that, like cheese pizza, which was the whole uh, weird coded language being used by John Podesta, is a regular term utilized to talk about kitty porn. So point is whether whether yeah, whether or not that's what they were discussing. Super strange that we can continually make these connections. But one thing that I, I still have to point out is that was called Russian disin or it wasn't called Russian disinformation. Because they're not going to directly lie. They're going to obfuscate so they can always get out of it in the event of uh, an actual trial. In in the event that the Republicans actually grow a pair of testicles um, and want to investigate the corruption of the Democrat Party, uh, they have this weird plausible deniability. But they bitched and bitched and bitched, just like Alan was saying about whether or not the laptop was Russian disinformation. They did the same thing about crying about Russia hacking their servers and releasing true information. So once again, here we are where the Democrats are upset over people learning the truth and their constant clarion call is to screech about, uh, how that truth was revealed. Why I've been told this entire lap about how the, Mm -hmm. right. When they screech about how it was revealed, it refocuses the conversation not on the content, but on the delivery, which is a lot safer of a bet. That's a lot safer to have people discussing rather than the actual content. They did the same thing with the WikiLeaks releases, the same thing with this laptop, the same thing with all of these scandals, even going back years back into Obama. They always debate the delivery method, not the content, because it keeps the focus away, uh, keeps the focus where they want the focus to be kept. Yeah, and what's 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 really funny is uh, my dad just like a month ago sent me Miranda Devine's book "Laptop from Hell," <laughs> and, then, and then this comes like right back up. It's like um, I I could use this to like talk about how my my dad had some sort of prophetic like dream where he was like, "You're gonna want to read about this." <laughs> and so I was on the <laughs> phone with you, and I was like, "My dad sent me a book on this just like a month ago, and now I'm gonna have to like go through the book." To refresh my memory, like obviously I talked about, you know, a bunch of different, a bunch of things that we already knew kind of were in there, but there's already mm-hmm. a book that encapsulates a lot of what was going on in this. Now, a question that I have to ask, uh, because I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense, is why? 
I mean, the New York Times is not a, they're not friends of truth. And I've got more stuff on the New York Times for later in the program. But they're not friends of truth. They're a Democrat Party rag. They're absolute Pravda. So why the hell are they talking? Why would they, why would they release this? Because they could have just not reported on it, similar to how they didn't report on any of the laptop stuff. Now, remember, the, the, the bigger story here is how the Democrat Party, big tech, the mainstream media all suppressed this story using the lie, the absolute lie that it was Russian disinformation. But why the hell is the New York Times reporting on that now? Alan, do you have any any ideas, any thoughts on why that might be? Because Joe Biden might be considering walking back U.S. support for Ukraine. Okay. Can you can you uh, expand on that? There is a possibility. If clearly someone very powerful and very influential wants there to be heavy NATO Western involvement in Ukraine, like the, the entire effort to force Ukraine away from the Russian sphere of influence and into the Western sphere of influence via the EU and NATO has been going on for a very long time, since at least 2008, and has been pushed by a lot of very powerful interests. Those same interests are now desperate to ensure that Ukraine is not severed off from the Western sphere of influence and all of that effort essentially wasted. If Joe Biden might, I mean, Joe Biden, the Democrats might be looking at this and going, we really don't think Ukraine can win or, you know, further U.S., like ramping up U.S. involvement might be a bad idea. We really don't want to do a no-fly zone. It is possible that the administration might be getting cold feet on the Ukraine. And so someone with power and influence is almost pushing the, bringing this back up as a threat. Okay. If you don't do what we want, we will actually expose the corruption that we've been controlling you with the whole time. Okay, so so um, to to summarize, this is blackmail from the New York Times or whomever you know is is puppeting the New York Times. Yes, yeah, the people that own um, the New York Times. Right, right. So this is blackmail from the New York Times, basically saying, "Hey, Joe, you know what our interests are, and at any moment we can just we at any moment we could accidentally do journalism, and yeah." You'd be over because, well, actually, this is a really great this is a really great theory and concept here, because let's be honest, nobody that voted for Donald Trump in the last election gives a damn what The New York Times says. But everybody who voted for Joe Biden, at least a little bit does. So this is 100 percent. This was a story for liberals. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of validity to to that theory, given the fact that, I mean, you're going to ha- you have to look at the media landscape through that lens, uh, because one, it makes things make sense. You always have to consider who is the audience. And we'll, we'll bring that up actually several times throughout the show today. But the New York Times. So you think that this and I think that this is actually a very valid argument is that the New York Times is basically letting Joe Biden know Dude, your voters, um, they read our paper and we can destroy you. You could end up being impeached. Uh, you could end up uh, having to resign uh, if you don't do what we ask. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Okay. Is but there? That, I mean, it's all it's all relatively tenuous. 
I can see a lot of Democrats in the Democrat Party totally abandoning Joe Biden if they needed to. Oh, it'd be and, easy. And, and the line would be, we never knew. How could he hide this corruption from us? These are terrible revelations. This is absolutely why we need, and it would then be a moralizing crusade. This is absolutely why we need greater transparency in government, blah, 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 blah. Now, here, here's an additional question. Um, on the same vein, but a little bit different. Because I, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I actually really like the uh the the theory that it's to pressure him to you know ensure that he's basically continuing to up um the uh, uh defense secretary's uh, what defense secretary Austin's stock in uh, Raytheon by uh continuing war in Ukraine um i like that theory but what what about the additional potential that the democrats are realizing how unsuited Joe Biden is, but they're looking for, I, this might sound weird for me to say it, but hopefully you understand what I mean. Uh, okay. uh, a, a, an honorable out because understand Joe Biden having to resign sure. or be impeached because of corruption isn't an honorable out for Joe Biden, but it's an honorable out for the Democrat party because Joe Biden yes. being found mentally incapable to conduct the business of the president would destroy the Democrat party because everybody on the right saw this coming. But then again, I guess corruption would be the same kind of thing, right? Like we all knew about it too. You know, I don't know. Um, no, I think that's a very good, that's a very good analysis. They're keeping all this in their back pocket just in case it, it basically it's all leverage whether it's leveraging the administration to do a no-fly zone or something or escalate the conflict in Ukraine, or it's leveraging the administration to do something else, or it's providing a escape mechanism for the Democrat Party away from the administration, it all comes down to the, this being used as leverage against administration. The reality is the Biden administration is deeply compromised and beholden to whatever interests are holding the keys to these stories. Somebody has dirt on Joe Biden and they're using it to influence U.S. politics. Yeah. No. And, and you know, um, we know for a fact that this is this is a normal tactic uh, that's used by the left. They regularly use uh, somebody's children, uh, basically holding them hostage. We watched that all through the Trump administration. There were uh, just scads of investigations into Donald Trump's kids. You know, as, as right. a probably as the same same method of, you know, we're going to keep in, we're going to investigate your sons. We're going to investigate your daughter. We're going to uh, turn their lives completely upside down. Every little deal they make, every person that they've talked to. I mean, remember, they tried to. Um, uh, hopefully I get this correct, but they tried to uh, investigate. I, I think it was Eric Trump or Don Trump Jr. Maybe maybe it was Don Jr. where he like met with some people, but they turned out to be like. They claimed that they were Russians and they were trying to give him dirt on the Clinton campaign and it actually didn't go anywhere. Like Don Jr. was like, this is weird. I don't go away. And it turned out that they were actually plants by Fusion GPS. If anyone remembers that story from years ago during the whole yeah. Russian hoax, um, there were a couple of plants that were basically working on behalf of Fusion GPS, the Democrat opera. Uh, uh, um, the Democrat opposition research firm that went in and basically tried to entrap Don Jr. 
into accepting what they claimed was Russian information on the Clinton campaign, but they hadn't accepted it. So we know that that's a normal tactic is, is the point I'm trying to make. Um, and it's weird, right? Like I'm able to weave all of this stuff together uh, because of how obvious the pattern is and just how insane is that? But what I want to do, though, is is seize on um, Trump, uh, uh, President Trump's claim uh, where he, he basically threw his hands up during the debate and said, oh, my God, here we go again. It's Russia, Russia, Russia. How interesting is that to bring back up today with everything that's going on in Ukraine, everything that's going on with Russia? Once again, we're back to Russia, Russia, Russia. And here is a clip of... Um, a, a Washington Democrat representative, Kim uh, Schreer, uh, letting everybody know that you're not allowed. You're not allowed to blame Joe Biden for what's going on with the economy in the United States. Here's her clip on a uh, on a podcast um, called Undivided. Uh, this is what she had to say about anybody who questions uh, gas prices or anything that's going on with the economy in America. Here's the clip. On the topic of energy independence, depending on what pundit you turn on today, you are going to hear some blaming President Biden for how steep gas prices have become. You're going to hear some who say that a president has no bearing on gas prices. What do you believe? Uh, I believe a couple things. Right now, in the last two weeks, this is Putin. You should be blaming Putin, if anybody, for this. And to not blame Putin, first of all, is denying reality. And second, frankly, I think is un-American. So it's un-American to not blame Putin. You're not an American unless you blame Putin for all of Joe Biden's failures. Absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's it right there. Um, yeah, you, you, you have to blame Putin or you're un-American. So the American thing to do is you have to accept the regime's answer that everything is Putin's fault, even though prior to the uh, Ukraine invasion, gas prices had already risen 56%. Um, there's a very obvious uh, distinction when gas prices started to climb, and that distinction is January of 2021, when Joe Biden took office. Um, I think it's pretty obvious and i don't mean to talk down to the audience here but i want to make sure everyone's on the same page that we are um i think it's pretty obvious that when you have a president uh who comes into office and says there will be absolutely zero drilling or expansion whatsoever of fossil fuels in the united states of america that the cost of that is going to increase because of course it does also the fact yeah. that he shut down all of the things that were moving us towards energy independence in the United States. So it's pretty obvious who did this and it wasn't Vladimir Putin. I'm not even sure how the lowest level of scrutiny, unless you are just 100% eating from the bullshit bowl of the liberal media. I don't know how you can't sit there and say, well, we only import 3% Russian, Russian, uh, oil, Russian gas is 3% of our import. So we block 3% and that immediately equates to five or $6 a gallon. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't hold up to even the smallest amount of scrutiny, but here we are once again right. with the Democrats favorite boogeyman. 
Climate change? You, no, it's 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 now. <laughs> it's damn it. Um, the the left's other favorite boogeyman. Racism. Damn it. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, uh, HD Cynical wants to know, uh, or HD Cynical says this is why he refers to the Democrats as bullshitiviks. Ah, that's, that's actually, good. That is pretty good. I like that. Um, no, but that's the whole thing, right? It's racism, climate change, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, he's the reason for yeah. everything. Vladimir Putin. Oh, it's because of Putin. Now, let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, we've obviously talked about some of the, some of the other stuff, but <clears throat> um, and we're going to get into uh, the fun question of of the show a little bit later in the program, which is would liberals act this way if Russia weren't white? Uh, because I think that there's uh, there's a lot of really uh, interesting things that we can bring up uh, along those lines. But one of the things that I absolutely have to point out here is what we're constantly told is the reason why uh, we need to support Ukraine. The reason why you're supposed to stand with Ukraine is because Ukraine is the shining democracy. It is freedom embodied. Uh, it is liberty and equity. And I don't even know, right? It, it's this, it's the fairy tale yeah. land you never knew about. It's the fairy tale land of freedom and democracy everywhere. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, Zelensky spread his angelic wings and came to earth uh, specifically to stand up an even greater democracy than we have here in the United States an even greater, you know, free country. Uh, you all never knew that uh, before you thought that Ukraine might be uh, also a corrupt country full of oligarchs uh, before you might've thought that it was the piggy bank of Joe Biden and other Democrats. You may have thought all those things, but it was actually just to keep the secret of this Eden. That was sitting right there before us in Eastern Europe, uh, being the example that we should all embolden. Now, mm-hmm. why did Democrats have such a boner over Ukraine? I think we found it. Uh, this is a Breitbart article that will let you know exactly why the Democrats have wet dreams over Zelensky. So here's the headline. Zelensky uses martial law to ban main opposition party in crackdown on division. Ukraine, uh, this was uh, from Peter Peter Cattle, uh, and this was actually published today uh, uh, over at Breitbart. Ukraine's president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, has announced the banning of Ukraine's main opposition party as part of an anti-Russian crackdown. A number of other major opposition parties were also banned by the Ukrainian government amid the ongoing Russian invasion of the country, at least for the period of martial law. The foremost victim of the crackdown crackdown is the opposition platform for life for life, which is its name, which as of 2019, which as of the 2019 general election was the second most popular political party in Ukraine after Zelensky's own servant of the people named after the television show of the same name, which Zelensky starred as an ordinary man who became president shot to fame by a channel run by the controversial Ukrainian-Israeli oligarch Ihor Kolomoski. According to the report uh, to a report by Der Spiegel, the ban was announced via video message on Sunday 
and will suspend the op operation of the party, which earned 13% of the national vote in 2020 and is most successful in areas of Ukraine with large ethnic Russian and Russian-speaking populations. Quote, the activities well. of these politicians aimed at division or collusion will not succeed but will receive a harsh response, end quote. President Zelensky is reported as saying uh, by Ukrajenitska uh, Pravda, quote, therefore, the National Security and Defense Council decided, given the full-scale war waged by Russia and the political ties that a number of, of political structures have with this state to suspend the activities of a number of political parties during martial law, end quote. Interesting. How very convenient for them. Yeah. Yeah, how how incredibly convenient. It's at times like this I want to remind everybody that Ukraine was has been ranked as one of the most corrupt countries in Europe. Certainly. Well, and and let's not remember the the current you the the current landscape of Ukraine is a post-coup because yeah. the West post -coup. The, the, the West didn't like um, the president that they had and so in very Western neocon you know neoliberal fashion uh, they had a color revolution they basically funded and operated opposition against the uh elected president who was a a more russian uh aligned president did not want to join the european union did not want to be a member of nato was aligning trade deals with russia at the time this infuriated the west and so western uh non-governmental organizations western media organizations and the like uh started influencing um basically urbanite ukrainians to protest and in many ways violently protest the government and ended up overthrowing yeah. in a coup overthrowing the elected government of Ukraine. This, this is just true. This happened. I'm trying to remember. It wasn't um, at, at the time it, it, it was not Poroshenko. It was uh, Yanukovych. Yep. Yeah, Yanukovych was overthrown uh in 2014. And he yeah. was he was shoved out. Then right. for he a... fled the country. He was forced to flee the country and the representatives that had been legally elected by a lot of the country the I guess states or oblasts or whatever they're called in the eastern part of Ukraine, places like Donbas, Donbas and Luhansk and of course well, Crimea, uh, a lot of those representatives that were aligned with Yanukovych were also forced to flee the country in the coup. So this would be, my example would be, imagine if there was a coup against, say, a Republican president, and after that coup, the congressmen for red states were forced to flee the capital. And then all, the, all that's left is a rump parliament of blue Democrats that start ruling the country as if they speak for all the people places like texas probably would use that as say well we're seceding and we're no longer going to be a part of this 
which is exactly what happened. And that's why places like the Donbass region or Donetsk and Luhansk, like that region, seceded from the country. Because they said, you just launched a coup. You kicked out the president that we voted for. And you kicked out the representatives we have in our government. We essentially denied... Essentially, these, the conspirators of this coup have denied the political representation of our regions. Therefore, we are seceding from this country. Very reasonable. That's why they left, and that's why they've been, they fought an eight-year-long civil war with the rest of Ukraine to stay free. Because they looked at it and said, "There's nothing, like if we stay part of this country, you only have bad intent for us. Right. Now, this is this is fun. Like, just to give you guys sort of the the background of so much of this, like random nonsense is um, now one of the things that I I, I can't um, I I honestly can't get over is just how garbage um, parliamentary type politics is and how infuriating it is. Just and I'll I'll read this uh, explanation of of the uh, presidential campaign um, for Yanukovych, just so you guys get an understanding of the landscape. But it's um, infuriating just how poorly so much of this stuff is. Um, yeah. So sorry about that, but um, now let's see here. So. When when we take when we take a look at like presidential campaigns, um, let's see here. Like for example, in two thousand and four, two thousand four, as the prime minister Yanukovych participated in the controversial Ukrainian presidential election as the party of regions candidate. Yanukovych's main base of support emerged from the southern and eastern regions of Ukraine, which favor close ties to neighboring Russia. In the first round of voting, held 31 October 2004, Yanukovych took second place with 39.3% of the votes to opposition leader Viktor Yushchenko with Mm 39.8%. Because no candidate passed the 50% threshold, a second round of voting was scheduled. In the second round of the election, Yanukovych was initially declared the winner, however... The legitimacy of the election was questioned by many Ukrainians, international organizations, and foreign governments following allegations of election fraud. The resulting widespread protests became known as the Orange Revolution. The second round of the election was subsequently annulled by the Supreme Court of Ukraine, and in the repeat runoff, Yanukovych lost to Yushchenko with 44.2% to Yushchenko's 519 Okay. So this guy runs, purportedly wins. Everybody says fraud, fraud, fraud. And it goes all the way to the Supreme Court and they say, JK, LOL, no. You lost because of fraud. Well, that would be just like Joe Biden having his, uh, having his presidency suspended because so many people believe it was fraudulent, which we do. So is that okay right. there, but not here? I just have to. I, I I just have to know. Now, once again, in 2009, Yanukovych announced his intent to run for president in the upcoming presidential election. He was endorsed by the Party of Regions and the Youth Party of Ukraine. On 
11 December 2009, Yanukovych called for his supporters to go to uh, to Maidan, uh, Kiev's independent square, and um, or in case of election fraud. Early vote returns from the first round of the election on 17 January showed Yanukovych in first place with 35.8% of the vote. He faced a 7 February runoff against uh, Tymoshenko, who finished second with 247 after all ballots were counted, the Ukrainian Central Election Commission declared Yanukovych had won the runoff election with 48.95% of the vote as compared to 45.47 for uh, Timoshenko. I think I'm saying that right. Who withdrew her subsequent mm-hmm. legal challenge of the result. Okay, so he was inaugurated. Nobody seemed to have questioned his next election, right? Right. Now, weirdly enough... Timoshenko, sorry, Timoshenko withdrew her subsequent legal ca- challenge of the result. Tad Devine, an associate of Rick Gates and Paul Manafort, wrote Yakashenko's victory speech. Just so you're aware, that's why Paul Manafort was investigated and uh, went to prison was because of war, because the like besides all of the claims that they made, besides all the claims that the Democrats made, Paul Manafort went to jail. Because he supported Yanukovych and beat back globalists in Ukraine. Like, change my mind on that. Yeah. So just understand. So that's 2010. Well, mm-hmm. And remember, the Biden administration, Hunter Biden, all of this happened aligned with the Zelensky government. Now, I don't, Zelensky might not have been president at the time, but the post-coup left-wing government that Zelensky is now was elected to be part of, that's the same group of people that performed this coup. It's the same group of people that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were intertwined with. And it's the same group of people that were opposed to Yanukovych and and, uh, Paul Manafort. So, like, there are two factions of this, and one side is Paul Manafort, and then all the and Yanukovych. The other side is the left wing of Ukraine up into Zelensky, and they are all tied in with Democrats. Now, granted, the all remember the biggest group of moneyed oligarchs contributing money to the Clinton Foundation were all Ukrainians. So the corruption between the U.S. State Department and you the and Ukrainian elites goes back at least. The Obama administration where Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that that would have been, you know, um, uh, well, basically basically around a lot of this time. Now, let's yeah. just let's just theoretical theoretical some of this. Um let's just say that you're uh you're a corrupt politician um in the United States. You're using a place like Ukraine as your personal piggy bank and Uh some politician takes over and wants to start digging through and is like, I am so tired of these Western oligarchs uh, using my country for a piggy bank and starts wanting to uh, basically, you know, uh, reform, right? Let's say that they were doing something like, I don't know. Uh, investigating energy firms 
that were uh, paying the son of a vice president of the United States a bunch of money. Well, yeah. then, like, am I supposed... Okay, am I supposed to believe that the Obama administration that had Joe Biden as the vice president um, just so happened to support the overthrow of Yanukovych, who was investigating corruption of the company that Joe Biden's son worked for. Am I supposed to believe that those aren't connected? It just happenstance that it really worked out for them? Certainly seems like they would be connected, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, we keep hearing the word oligarch, and this is something that I've kind of wanted to do. What is an oligarch? Because everybody says, oh, these oligarchs, we're going to, these darn oligarchs. The definition of an oligarchy is to rule or to command, but it's a form of a power structure where power rests with a small number of people. And that is, they sit there with, like, they they rule by nobility, fame, wealth, education, or, uh, you know, religious, corporate, or military control. So... It's it's just it's basically the idea of a minority rule held in a small amount of people's hands. That's the idea, right? That like that's an oligarch. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have an oligarchy in the United States? Yes. Yeah, I could I could say a hundred percent. I mean, look, I I know a lot of people want to make the accusations that because we're bringing this up. It's, you know, like, oh, well, you you can't say that uh, the United States is the same way. Well, what I can say is it's very obvious that lobbyists have far more of a say in what goes on in the United States than the American people. And nothing is more evidentiary than that. Then look at all the COVID nonsense. The majority of American people have been over this for a very long time, but a small amount of lobbyists love everything that was going on. I mean, there were... The, the liberal billionaires in this country were loving the fact that they cornered the market. People like Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Twitter, they've made billions in the, the COVID yeah. lockdown market. And they all support the same political party who was also forcing all of this nonsense on us, even, even when the science was defying it. So, yeah, I would say we do have an oligarchy in the United States. If you're supported well, by the ruling but, elite, you can burn buildings down in a city and have your bail paid for and never face charges. But if you're against the ruling elite, you will sit in solitary confinement for years until you either kill yourself or get jailed as a terrorist. Also, think of the things like immigration, illegal immigration and border controls. Are have been consistently the vast majority of Americans have consistently polled as wanting more border security, wanting less illegal immigration. That has been a consistent factor, regardless of political ideology up until now, that cons- consistently Americans on every side of the political spectrum overwhelmingly want less illegal immigration, more border controls. And yet, even that, though that is the will of the American people, a small group of elites have made sure that that problem doesn't is not getting solved. Well, I, I mean, mean, what yeah. else would you what else would you call people like a lot of these 
top-level Democrats who are millionaires, who've only ever worked in politics, people like Nancy Pelosi, she's made millions off being in, being in power. If she does not meet the definition of an oligarch, what does? Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, these people are no different than the oligarchs, the big, scary oligarchs in Russia. I mean, yeah, they just put on a smiling face and they're able to pay off Western media to portray them as kind, beautiful, loving people. I mean, Bill Gates but is at a really... the end of the day, there's nothing to suggest that they are any less cruel or power hungry. It's amazing to bring up somebody like Bill Gates, especially given the same people that were screaming that you need to listen to the science, except a computer programmer is basically setting vaccine policy in the United States. Make that make sense. Yeah. Well, shoot. The, uh, you know, I don't know if Anthony Fauci was really a whole lot more qualified anyways. Well, <laughs> the guy who's never seen any patients and basically is like, like, yeah, I run the bureaucracy. I am the science. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, sh- shifting on this a little I w- bit. I um, would almost hazard you to find me I would almost say find me anyone in charge of anything in the U.S. government that is actually qualified for what they're doing. That isn't simply just a political appointee. Well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's how we run it. I mean, the the secretary of transportation has never done anything in transportation except for ride a bike without a seat. Um, Yeah, you know. But, uh, well, to be fair, what a stupid system that is. It is kind of a stupid system. It's an incredibly stupid system. The entire setup of all of this is to ensure that nepotism and political connections are more important than competence in the people that run the country. Yeah. No, I mean, I I mean, 100 percent. I mean, we're we're seeing that right now in in, uh, the, the race up that's going on. Uh, when when you move into like the Supreme Court, like everybody wants to try to talk about how qualified uh, is it Kentanji Brown is, except like nothing that anyone says matters because there was one qualification. Well, two. There were two qualifications that were the only ones that mattered. And those two qualifications were that she was black and she's female. It doesn't matter. Like you can try to claim that she's the most qualified person, but you have to caveat that. There's an asterisk there. She's the most qualified person among other black females. Because we're not allowed to know if she was more qualified than anyone else because the only people that were going to be selected for the job were black females. So there needs to be an asterisk there. You didn't magically find the most qualified Supreme Court justice to have ever graced the halls of the high court while, while also saying it has to be a black woman. That's not how yeah. that, that's not reality. I mean, Democrats will absolutely say it, but it also to Alan's point shows how farcical our entire system is. Yeah. Now I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, bully a segue in here um, to make sure we get on to get to the next topic is You know, we were talking about the New York Times. Everybody is now seeing the Hunter Biden laptop stories being valid because it was published in the New York Times, which is strange because it's almost like a PR campaign for how trustworthy the New York Times must be. Except Project Veritas a while ago, well, I say a while ago, earlier this month on March 9th, actually dropped some audio of one of their undercover um, operatives 
having a conversation with one of the most prominent journalists who's been reporting on January 6th, talking about how scary and terrifying it is. And uh, here's a few clips from an inner or from a yeah, basically an undercover interview that was being conducted. It's a little difficult to hear. So I apologize because these are always done in like a uh, in like a restaurant. Um, but here's what this. Uh, so his name's Rosenberg. This is what Rosenberg has to say about what really happened during January 6th. Vice what he writes in The New York Times. So uh, uh, here's here's those here's those audio clips. It's like January 6th stuff that is like so over at this point. It's so over. The left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was like me and two other colleagues who were there who were outside. And we were just having fun. Dude, come on. Like, you were not in any danger. Matthew Rosenberg is a Pulitzer Prize-winning national security correspondent for the New York Times. In multiple meetings with one of our undercover journalists, Rosenberg reveals a lot about the inner workings and inner turmoil at the Times. For starters, he doesn't hesitate to undermine his own paper's coverage of the events that took place in our nation's capital on January 6, 2021, and chides corporate media's reaction, or in his own words, overreaction. Like, I think you could tell how much fun we had on January 6th. Oh, that's great. Is, Are you allowed to have that much fun on January 6th? Like, I, I just morning. I know, I know. So, so if you're traumatized. Like, Fox News in the world, other elsewhere, is that the left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top that it gave the opening the right media to start introducing the idea of, well, these people are out of control. Like, it's not a big deal as they're making it. Rosenberg from publishing his part two article earlier this year describing the false narratives that circulate around January 6th in the events that unfolded. You know, we're the ones, not Fox, not Breitbart, who actually went and uncovered the fact that, like, there were a ton of FBI informants on the people who attacked the Capitol. So is it alarming to any of you out there listening and feel free to, you know, put put any comments in chat is it alarming to you to hear well first of all not only obviously a new york times journalist who's making fun of his other uh colleagues that are claiming that they were traumatized now i cuts a lot of it out but he like really goes in depth on it where he talks about how he wants so bad to tell his colleagues to man up quit being a pussy oh my god you weren't traumatized he talks about i mean as the audio that we just played you know he talks about how much fun they were having how it was a fun time and good job on the uh, undercover um, operative here for saying like, Oh, should you, should you have been having fun? Aren't you supposed to be traumatized? And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm so traumatized. (laughs) But how, how alarming is it um, to hear somebody who's been writing all of these stories about how, you know, January 6th was so traumatizing. Oh, it was an insurrection. It was a coup. But you know, when he's in, 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 let, let's be honest when he's in a conversation and let's let's be fair honestly trying to impress a girl right because it's a female operative trying to impress a girl he's like yeah it, it wasn't bad there wasn't anything big here but the big thing for me was the last point of it where he said we are actually the ones who were responsible for um for the original story that showed that a bunch of the people that were involved in this protest were fbi informants is that shocking to any of the audience? Is that shocking to you, Alan, to find out that the that this guy from the New York Times is like, oh no, like we're actually responsible for that story. We found all that evidence. 
isn't that kind of strange? Like that the New York Times is like, oh yeah, the um, like they they published a story about it, but they're like, oh yeah, it was full of FBI informants. That seems a little at odds with the entire liberal media narrative to include the New York Times, who I thought were fighting against the idea where, you know, all of these people on the right are saying that this was a fed up because they just published um, on the or just recently um, published a story about how there's a bunch of false narratives you know, float, floating around things like yeah. it was a fed up. It was a setup yet here. He is saying like, well, actually we're the ones that uncovered all of that. And then he, he goes on to show off all the connections he has. You know, we have connections in the CIA. We have connections in NSA FBI. Um, that's how we knew that there were a bunch of uh, federal agents that were involved in this. But as I'm being yes. told, that's a, that's a fake story. That's not true. Yeah, well, who's saying that's a liar? <laughs> well, that person is a damn liar. So just stop listening to them. Yes. <clears throat> but it gets yeah. e- it gets no. even more interesting um if you want if you want to dive into some of the stuff that's coming out um earlier this week from uh well, Julie Kelly, for those of you who don't know, uh she's a, she's a writer, uh she's a journalist who's been extremely closely following January 6th and a lot of uh, a lot of these other type of cases. So she's a really good follow if you're on Twitter um or or, or you can um read her um I believe her pieces are at American Thinker. Um let me let me actually double check. I don't I don't want to be a, a dick about this. Um she is American Greatness. My bad. Uh, so Julie Kelly writes for American Greatness. So she's a good follow, uh, just for those of you who want to know. But she's been covering the Whitmer trial. Um, so the beginning of the Whitmer trial that she was covering, this is coming from um, March 17th. She said that the defense and the government are arguing before the judge uh, about a level, uh, uh, sorry, allowable evidence related to FBI entrapment. Text, photos, and encrypted chats uh, show an FBI undercover uh, operative directing a classified human source. Uh, for those of you who don't know, CHS means classified human source. That is when you're an FBI agent, you get somebody to basically work with you. Like they know that you're FBI. Um What's the term? Sorry, Alan. There's a term that movies always use for these guys. It isn't just source, is it? Like when somebody's got like a drug guy or whatever that they can go talk to when they work in Vice. What was the term that people used? Mm-hmm. Informant. Informant. That was informant. the term. That's yeah. the term that you always hear in in like the movies. Is oh, I have an informant. I have an informant uh, in this gang. Well, the the real word that's used for this is CHS, classified human. T- uh, human intelligence source um, or classified human source anyway uh, is directing the classified human source to conduct various activities which are not allowed it's not allowed by the FBI uh, FBI statutes you can't tell them what to do they're supposed to be there for collection of intelligence so the FBI or sorry the judge will allow um it to be presented how a an FBI undercover agent who posed as the girlfriend of another FBI undercover agent in this operation and that under the female undercover agent ingratiated herself to Adam Fox the main defendant 
The defense is arguing that the FBI assets played on Fox's emotions to develop a closer relationship. In other words, they honeypotted the guy. Yeah. So you have two FBI agents. One is posing as the girlfriend of the other, and she basically seduces this guy, Adam Fox, to groom him for entrapment. That's the argument of the defense here. Now, where it goes even weirder... (laughs) So, one of the FBI agents on... Sorry, one, one of the FBI agents here... Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm reading through a thread. So if you guys want to know why I'm kind of pausing here is because there's a lot, there's a lot in here that I kind of, she was doing it literally in real time and I'm trying to pull out like the real notes here. Um, but part of the uh, cross examination that happened here is there were, first of all, there were not communications that were given to the defense. So there's already aspects of this, uh, where there's suppressed evidence from the government, but one of the human sources that they had goes by the name of Jenny. Um, and the some of the questions that they have revolving around this person, um, this Jenny person, is has to do with just how this person was set up. So anyway, the point is, is number one, the defense wanted to know why this was labeled as a Category 1 domestic terror probe even though the bar for that is there has to be nuclear or chemical weapons involved. And the agent ends up confirming that the category one domestic terror pros known as a TEI, a a terrorism or this investigation, the terrorism enterprise investigation or a TEI has to be approved by FBI headquarters. And this was the pretext of the Whitner kidnapping probe. So one of their... So it was approved by FBI headquarters. Yes. Now, one of their human sources, Steve, is a convicted uh, felon, but operated out of numerous FBI offices, including Norfolk, Michigan, Milwaukee, and Baltimore. One of their human sources, Jenny, sold a handgun to Steve, who is a felon. So human source Jenny paid eight was paid $8,000 for six months of work, but also sold a weapon to a known felon, Steve, for whatever reason. This, this one human source that the FBI had was the quote head of the Tennessee 3% Patriot group. Okay. Now, This other human source, Steve, had a meeting in Dublin, Ohio, of their, quote, militia members. Understand, uh, the point here of this case is that the FBI created this entire situation. So there's a meeting in Dublin, Ohio, of militia members on June 6th, right outside. So Dublin, Ohio, which is uh, nearby Columbus. And there was rioting happening in Columbus over George Floyd. And... This source named Steve, this FBI source named Steve was trying, got participants stoned and then tried to convince them to go to downtown Columbus where the riots were taking place, but they didn't go. So that human source, Steve, is not only an informant tied to several FBI offices, but he's the head of the Wisconsin chapter of the 3% Patriot Militia Group. Interesting. 
Now, Steve also had a shoot house, which was near his uh, Cambria, Wisconsin home. And an FBI agent says that Steve would use uh, has used it before. And Steve and his wife would host field training for the defendants, get them stoned, and take them out basically to this shoot house or whatever and try to get them to continue more, uh, basically try to get them to conduct some sort of, understand, there was the kidnapping probe of Whitmer. That's the main case here. But initially, this dude is sitting there getting everybody high and drunk and what the hell ever, and is like, hey, we should go to Columbus and start some shit with the Black Lives Matter people. So to me, it looks like the FBI's overall thing here was, let's get right-wing groups to be violent. This wasn't, let's try to kidnap a governor. Let's let's just get right-wing groups to be violent. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so, right. Essentially, this would be the same as running a, like, Islamic school and trying to encourage people to become radicalized. Yeah, no, that's actually a good example. Well, like, would, would we all be okay with it if the FBI, if we found out that the FBI was running a madrasa, um and was basically training people in terrorism so they could catch them while conducting a terrorisms. Yeah. Like, are we okay with that? Because that's what it sounds. So the, the long story short here, and sorry if that was a little broken up, but like I said, it's, it's in a thread where there's a lot of, a lot of stuff and I'm trying to figure out what's the most germane here. Um, but the, <coughs> the main predicate here is that, there are a bunch of these people that were FBI informants that were purportedly running the 3% uh, group, which was, that was the big name for a while. The three percenters were big, scary, scary, but it sounds a lot like the 3% was actually all FBI informants. Now I, I understand uh, and, and I'm, I'll, I'll apologize initially because Part of the problem with a lot of this stuff is everybody accuses everybody of being the feds, right? Like you have the Patriot Front, yeah. uh, which a bunch of people are saying, well, it's obviously a fed op. And then other people are saying, or, or it's not. And it's just legit people because they don't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's the worst fed op in history because it's guys who literally are like, yeah, we're fascists. And then they clean up the area that they go to and then they leave and nothing bad happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it'd be a terrible fed up, but maybe it is. I don't know because so many of these groups that were supposedly scary, scary were created by the FBI specifically to entrap. Let's just be honest about it. Trump supporters. The FBI went to right. war against Donald Trump and his supporters. They, the, the elites, let's just not just say the FBI, the elites went to war with you. It, 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 right. Maybe I'm being a little overdramatic. Maybe I'm being slightly hyperbolic, but doesn't it feel like the American people finally got a voice in politics? And it wasn't just because of Donald Trump, right? It's not a one person thing. It was throughout years. People have started really pushing back against the elites in this country, whether it was the Tea Party movement um, in the beginning of it, whether it was just how disastrous the Obama administration was and the revelation and the, the wake up that a lot of people had with just how awful our politics had become, how awful both parties were. And we saw a lot of Americans yeah. rise up and push back. And now the elites are like out of control and they just want to get the American people back to uh, shut up, sit down, uh, stop asking questions, and just watch your Netflix. Yeah. 
Like, is that hyperbolic or is that really what's going on here? That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. And there's I, nothing hyperbolic about it. Yeah. It's like the, these groups were infiltrated by the federal, by the FBI with the intent and then utilized to conduct basically false flag events that would justify the Democrat party pushing anti-terror legislation, which is exactly what they did. Yeah. The Democrat party, the intelligence community and the news media were all in cahoots to intentionally try and create crises that they could then capitalize on politically. And they did it. They absolutely did that with this Whitmer kidnapping. The media ginned up a frenzy. The Democrat party used it for political power and the FBI set everybody up with federal informants to and push them to commit this to uh, commit this plan to commit this act they were all working together to try and marginalize the american people that they viewed as disloyal which were trump supporters and and magically it's were exactly able to... what they did for that they did it for january 6th they do it for a ton of things yeah and they were magically able to line it up close to the election yeah which again is, is absolutely not a coincidence yeah <laughs> I, I just I'm baffled that any that we have to like convince anybody of this. This just is the facts, and it, we there's no convincing. These are just the legitimate facts. And if anybody doesn't realize that, then you're probably a, a Democrat voter who's vote, gonna never gonna change your mind. Yeah. So I don't really I don't feel like I feel like we're beating a dead horse here because anybody that knows this already knows it, and anybody that doesn't know it is never gonna admit that it's true. Right. But now remember. Russia is the big bad enemy right now because they might stage a false flag to uh, predicate, right, which is also a lie, which is something we all agree is a lie. Right. Like, but all of this is nonsense is nonsense and a lie. Like nothing the Democrat says almost even needs to be taken seriously. It all just needs to be dismissed and forgotten about because it is in fact all a lie to, to d design to manipulate you and destroy this country. Right. But at the same time, bad there good here somehow very very strange well um, not somehow because they're liars they are liars that intentionally say things that are wrong it, it that's their hypocrisy is the point right the question is is why is it why is it well okay well let me let me rephrase how why why do they believe it is still successful and why do they think that it will it will actually grow because let's just be honest here there's a lot of indications um, that this messaging isn't working with the American people anymore. So who the hell is it that thinks that this is because, because it's so obvious, right? It shouldn't be this easy. Like it's one thing for us to say like, yep, they're liars. They always lie. Of course. Yeah. yeah we, th we've been saying this for 20, 30 years about the left. That's been, that's been a normal talking point. There's been a lot of evidence about it, but it used to be more successful and it used to not be as blatant and easy to call out. You used to have to go into this whole depth where you'd have to compare news stories. You'd have to find all of these alternative sources to find a lie, but now they just blatantly do it. So the question the question is, is why do they think that this would still be successful? Why do they think that they can still like, what are they, are they missing? Is it actually successful? And we're living in a dream world where we think that it's not, even though like I would point out uh, a lot of the local elections that are happening, school board type things that are going on that suggest that this isn't working anymore because it's getting too easy to point out the lies within uh, as, as an example, recently, Within hours, we were able to disprove the fantasy of the ghost of Kiev. Like, that kind of stuff. That kind of propaganda is failing. Why the hell do they keep trying to do this um, 
to, when it's obviously such a su- such a bad liability for them. I think for maybe two reasons. One, I don't think they know how to do anything else. And two, I think they it's still effective with their already captive population. And well, three, three, they still do it because it makes conversation between normal Americans and Democrat voting Americans impossible. Like, okay, it's very useful because all even it's like we know they're lying. They know they're lying, they know that we know they're lying, but. There, half the country doesn't. Well, half the country refuses to acknowledge that they're lying, and therefore it is still a useful divide and conquer strategy. Well, so the okay. other part is I don't think they know how to do anything different, but it still works and still useful. If you notice, the country hasn't refuted the Democrats' message. It hasn't kicked them all out of office. It hasn't rioted in the streets and demanded accountability. So clearly, the messaging is not being that detrimental, or it's at least still useful enough that they that it's not getting abandoned well let me let me pull that thread a little bit right so 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 let's talk about just like democrats themselves democrat voters right how many of them do you think or how let let me rephrase it this way how long do you think that a joe biden voter maybe not the most Let's not talk about the psycho liberals, right? Those people are ideologically Uh compromised. Let's talk about everyday Americans that vote for Democrats because the activists are always going to be activists because they want communism, right? They want the end of Uh the American project and communism. But your regular Uh guy who voted for Biden filling up his gas tank, how long is he going to be able to sit there and be like, God damn Putin when he's paying $200 when he has to like make decisions, like what kind of groceries he can buy because of inflation where he can drive because of how much gas is going to cost. Like how long is that message going to last? Because at a certain, like this, this doesn't, this is only works on a small time scale. It only works on a small time scale for you to be able to blame someone else uh, for the problems that are happening in the United States. You only get to do that for so long until people go, well, can you fix it? I don't care whose fault it is. I care that it's being fixed. I feel like the answer to your question is at least a little longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because because things aren't on fire yet, right? <laughs> like, Right. And like I think the reason when for this a... is... Yeah, go on. The reason for this is how many of us were predicting that COVID was finally going to break it? That, oh, well, they can't just keep this up forever. People see through the COVID bullshit. Look, it's ridiculous. They talk about the vaccines, but everybody's still getting COVID. It's all nonsense. People are seeing through this. We said that a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. And then they replaced COVID with a new crisis. And people forgot our allowed now to forget all about everything from COVID. I think one of the things that must be considered is the inertia inherent in the system that people have that keeps them from recognizing that which they know is true, but are terrified to actually recognize. If you were a Democrat voting American, or if you're any American and you see what's going on, it is a terrifying thing to recognize that this is actually happening. And people have a big resistance to actually recognizing it because when you recognize it and call it out for what it is, it then the logical train is I now have to do something about this. And that is a very difficult thing to do. And nobody has a good, exa- a good idea of what really we should all do about it because that's 
it's a very big problem that requires more sacrifices than many of us really want to really want to take because well, it's right. a huge problem. And some of those threats have been. I think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so some of those if threats have been COVID, laid bare. Sorry, Alan. But some of those threats have been laid bare, like yes. what we saw with the truckers protest. Right. That was 100 percent. The elite basically kind of. Because uh, because I think I think we're going to get to a kind of kernel here that, uh, of truth that's going to be really good. But I think the elites also got scared because look at how they responded to things like the trucker protest. That was very much a sign to people like you better not keep pushing these buttons because look what we can do to you. Yes, exactly. Um, I think if COVID had just gone away and there wasn't a new crisis. In that vacuum, people would have been able to demand accountability. I think the reason, one of the reasons why Ukraine has been pushed into the biggest crisis that is taking up all the oxygen is because it is a lot, it is giving the Democrat Party and it's giving regular Americans a pressure relief valve from COVID. It makes it so that they can mm-hmm. stay distracted because they want to stay distracted. They don't want to recognize all the nonsense they were just put through. They want to just go back to their jobs and their lives and not have to think about the fact they're being ruled over by predatory monsters. They want to not think about that because that is a terrible thing to think about. And so that's why I think people latched onto Ukraine so heavily is it suddenly was this new thing that seemed very black and white that took up all the oxygen in the room and it meant we could stop worrying about COVID and all the horrors that we knew were coming when we demanded accountability. And I think that's how this is going to work. I'm relatively sanguine about the possibilities that this is all going to, that they're going to have this great awakening because it is a, it's been a fact that every single time things run their course, a new crisis is ginned up to distract people from, to give people the distraction that they want so they don't have to recognize that all the canaries in the coal mine have been singing and our people and the people that have been demonized were right the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, now because nobody wants to think this. Everyone wants to think I'm. I can believe what I see on the news. I can trust my politicians. I can trust all of these wealthy elites. We are a cohesive country that's all working together towards this great and glorious future. Everything is fine. I can just focus on raising my kids, working my job. Uh, and fixing my shed this weekend. Everyone wants that, and we are trying to take that away from them by saying, no, we are a nation of idiots ruled by monsters. All of this is nonsense. You can't trust these big corporations. They want to enslave you. You can't trust these politicians. They're lying to you and enriching themselves. You can't trust the news because they are shills for all these other groups that are trying to abuse and manipulate you, and things are bleak and desperately need an error correction. We're the ones doing that, and that is very important. And that's why people are so thrilled when they get another distraction from normalcy, like COVID, like Ukraine, like 9-11, like all of these things. It's crisis after crisis after crisis, so there never has can be a rational, objective look at what is the status of America and where are we going, and is that, is that good for my neighbor? Who, who, we, we don't know because we never get a chance to actually look. We never get a chance to look and demand it's one crisis after another because that is the point. The point is to keep people confused. Heck, remember the book from 1984? They were at war with East Asia or they were at war with... Eurasia. What was the other one? Eurasia. Eurasia. The reason why those things, why they, one of the reasons in the book to 
times, well, we're constantly at war because it constantly provides a crisis that people use to justify power and use to justify subservience. That's the other part of the equation is my subservience and thus ignorance is justified because of this crisis. Therefore, I am not responsible. And that is what people want. Oh, it's It's what what people want. And that we used to have, say, an elite class that would be sitting above that saying, yes, the commoner, the normal people to be ignorant and run about their daily lives. That's why this power is being concentrated in this elite group that is working for the betterment of all of us. That was the original idea, but that no longer holds sway because that elite group is now predatory and working to destroy the common man who they view is in their way. Right. Now, for some a little bit of optimism, um, not that I'm saying you're necessarily pessimistic because that really wasn't that pessimistic. It was just very just realistic. Like, hey, this is this is this is the landscape, right? Um, It's a description of the landscape and exactly why they're doing what they're doing. But but here's what's interesting um, when you when you look at especially COVID being a a fascinating um, example. So to to your point, I do think a lot of people were real real happy to have a distraction, right? Like, oh, thank God we're not talking about. Even I was excited to not have to talk about COVID anymore. Um, even though we're constantly still keeping an eye out, we have stories about it, right? But to be fair. And I think a lot of other Americans are on the same bench that you and I are. I'm tired of talking about Ukraine already. Right? Yeah. And so, but that that doesn't de- defer your point. It, it just, that, that would be just bad, bad tactical reasoning on behalf of uh, the left and the elites. But I will say this. One thing that we did learn from, co- well, a couple of things, sorry. Uh, first of all, a lot of people were very happy to not talk about it. But also a lot of people were so adversely affected by it that um, it's going to, I think, honestly, it's going to be very difficult for people to walk away from it as easily as the media and the Democrats think they can. I think what you're saying is 100% correct. I think that's exactly where the consultant class is in the Democrat Party. This is exactly the kind of thing that they are being told. What they don't realize is for a really good example, how many politicians became prominent because of COVID stuff? A good example would be uh, Ron DeSantis. His big kick to um, prominence was how he reacted during yeah. coronavirus. You know, remember, it was death, Santis. Um, So he built an entire power base and a coalition specifically off of how obscene and ridiculous the COVID measures taken by the federal government were very similarly. Uh, Glenn Youngkin here in Virginia did the same thing because even though there's a lot of other stuff that goes into the parental rights and education, uh, that was one of his big winning messages that he had at one big core of it that people felt at the time and well are still feeling are why are my kid? Why is my kid still wearing a mask? Why does my kid have to do remote work? Why are we doing all this COVID nonsense for our children? And so um, I, I think it's a gross miscalculation on the left's part, thinking that people can just forget about COVID because of how many people were affected. But understand the reason why the consultants aren't worried about it is their people 
were not affected by COVID like everyone else was. The media didn't lose their job during coronavirus. The consultants didn't lose their job. The bankers who fund them didn't lose their job. So think about it that way. There are, for example, there are truckers in D.C. that are finally actually doing something. Uh, I know I talked about the Freedom freedom Riders, or or not not Freedom Riders, the uh, Freedom Convoy. That went into D.C. Vastly disappointed for weeks over this because all they've been doing is driving loops around the beltway. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is theater. Like, I think I brought that up last week. Well, apparently they are now going in and blocking D.C. for a certain amount of time. Like, they'll go in and block areas of D.C. as part of their protest. So that's good. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's a protest. Everything else is theater. Like, to be honest, you have to be inconvenient. Um. But the point the point that I'm making here is that convoy exists because so many people lost their jobs or were threatened to lose their jobs. Yeah. That doesn't just go away overnight. Now, like I said, that doesn't excuse or that that doesn't dismiss your point at all. That's why I think it's a gross miscalculation. But once again, it goes back to something we've talked about for years now on this program, which is how the left and whomever is informing them and the right, because this happens to the GOP too. Nobody's listening to regular Americans. Because if you honestly believe that, well, you they just, are, yeah, no one is. Yeah. Sorry. What, what, what were you going to say? Well, question impeaching Joe Biden. They don't okay. have the power to do that. I'm sorry. You cut out for a second. Say it again. Uh, even listen, expect them to do. Oh yeah. Oh, so if if you listened to impeach Joe. Biden. Okay. Yeah. If you listen to regular Americans, what action would we want the government, the our representatives, to be taking? Yeah, it would be. Well, I mean, the I guess. Uh, well, let's lay it out. It, it might be easy. like what what do regular Americans want? That's actually easy. Uh, number one. Uh, They want people to get to the bottom of what the hell exactly happened with COVID because we're seeing things be released. We know that the numbers were wrong. We've said that for two years. We got banned from YouTube for saying so. Uh, We got banned for pointing out how we knew for a fact that the numbers were wrong. Um, And now all of a sudden the CDC and other international organizations are going, oh, by the way, we dramatically over reported COVID death numbers. Um, The American people want accountability for that. They want accountability for their lives having been disrupted for the last two years Um, and to an immeasurable effect. We we are not going to, it's going to take decades for us to fully flesh out just how much we screwed up society with with these measures. It it is going to take decades. What what we do know for a fact is that we, we screwed up society. It's just how bad. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so they want investigations into that a hundred percent, tons of Americans. That's what they want. Other side of it too. Let's the, the reason why they're also afraid of talking to regular Americans is just what the hell are my taxes going to? We're showering Ukraine with billions of dollars. I've even seen liberals get infuriated over that because they're wondering why, uh, their, um, student loans aren't paid off yet. There are a hundred percent. There's liberals who are like, why aren't you pushing, um, 
student loan forgiveness, which was, by the way, a pillar of Joe Biden's campaign. But you can give basically billions and billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine within a week of a war. That's what regular Americans are interested in. Yeah, like it's on both sides. I will say it is on both sides in some ways because people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't forgive my student loans, but you can just give random uh, Eastern European country billions of dollars just because the Russians like rolled across their border. Like what gives? Or, Or to be honest, that was one of the other funny things is people that were super upset um, that infrastructure didn't get passed. There were people who were mad about like Joe Biden's giant ballooning infrastructure bullshit didn't get passed, but then they watched Congress, all of them together, rubber stamp almost like the same amount of money or similar to go to Ukraine on a whim to look good on TV. So... It's interesting because that that's what that's what I think Americans would want to know. Sorry, say that again. Yeah. Do me a favor, thump thump your Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You should thump your ceiling um with uh with a broomstick to scare the pelican off of your satellite dish. Um no, the uh But one of the other interesting things. So, so given, given since we're talking about the information and, and obviously the lies and stuff, like we talked last week, we talked about the don't say gay bill. Right. Um, and we went through how the media lied about it and what was actually in it and things like that. Um, we're seeing a lot of movement from different groups and different people uh, that are finally starting to push back against some of these narratives. And one of the, one of the most interesting ones that I saw um, is talking about this whole NCAA um, what was it? a swim competition? Sorry, it took me a second. It, the NCAA held a swim competition and everybody was supposed to be super excited and celebrating. Um, what is it? Leah Thomas. Is that the name? Do you remember? Yeah, some dude, some dude, yeah, some dude. I don't care. But it's, in... it's some transgender dude beat a bunch of women at in a swimming competition. Yeah, yeah. So some guy beat a bunch of women in a swimming competition. But what's interesting is the way that it's always presented is that everybody's all super accepting of this, and it's just a bunch of fuddy-duddy, like, rednecks on the right that don't support it. Except for when you read this letter um, that was released from the NCAA Swim Parents. So, uh, obviously, this is the parents group for the NCAA Swim Teams. And uh, this is what they this is what they have to say uh, about what occurred this week with the, you know, guy who said, I'm a girl now and now I'm going to suddenly be way better at swimming. Uh, This is uh, this is the letter as parents of Ivy League swimmers from men's and women's teams across the league. We have witnessed firsthand the utter abandonment of women and girls this year. We are furious and most everyone in our community is furious as well. Parents, coaches, swimmers, and rational, logical people know this is grossly unfair. Female swimmers have not consented to this. In fact, many of them expressly said no. What response did they receive? Be quiet. A new ideology ruled. Trans women are women. No exceptions. The girls' concerns, transphobic. 
They courageously spoke to coaches about the injustice they faced in the pool. They expressed how uncomfortable the locker rooms were with male nudity. When they were turned away, they went to their athletic departments and administration. They were turned away again. Athletic associations are athletic associations are cautiously asking, how do we balance fairness and inclusion? And they ask scientists to tell them the precise level to which a male body needs to be impaired to compete fairly against women. But they are asking the wrong questions. These questions are misogynistic, degrading, and dehumanizing for women. There is no balance of fairness to assess. Women deserve fairness without caveat, and they should not be asked to shoulder the mental health of others at their own expense. A male body cannot become a female body. A woman is not a disadvantaged man. Women's boundaries, women's bodies, their fair treatment, respect, and dignity are not up to the reimagining by men. Women and girls are not acceptable collateral damage in social change. It's time to defend women. Okay. I get it. Huh. I mean, it's couched in some of those social justice terms, but it's very obvious. I would say that there are what seems obvious to me, a lot of women on the feminist side that are kind of over the transgender nonsense because they're realizing as, as we've noted before and what is becoming a more popularized theme here, which is transgender women, meaning men who pretend to be women are basically a caricature. Like everything that they create is a caricature of women. And it is quite honestly, it, it, it should be roundly uh, condemned by anyone who proclaims themselves a feminist. Should be. Because, just because of the sole characterization. I think a lot of these supporters... No, go yeah, on. I think a lot of the supporters of the transgender movement do so only because they know it makes conservatives angry and it is a way that they can humiliate their political rivals more than it's at all about supporting transgenders or promoting women. It's like the costs of the transgender movement are nothing compared to the benefit of making your enemies angry. Right. It's, it's, it's all about pissing off your political enemies and calling them yeah. hateful and bigoted. It, it's never, it's never about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. So like, it, it's not about these people. It's not about solving anything for them. It's about, wait, uh, my enemies hate this thing. Therefore we need to do it really hard. We need to rub their faces in it. We need to make it socially acceptable. We need to force it. It's about destroying the status quo. The status quo is what they're against and they view gender norms as part of the status quo and everything is worth it. If they can, do something that they know their enemy hates. So, do you... and it's utterly nonsense. This this should be stopped. The people that are in charge of these women's sports or, or women's organizations or anything, they should be stop this and say, no, we're not doing this. This is utterly ridiculous. But they can't because they'll be called mean. We're yeah. a, like, how pathetic of a society are we where people will allow this kind of nonsense because the alternative is being called mean? Oh, mean. Well, I mean, you don't want to be mean. It's 
We don't want to be mean because mean people are like Vladimir Putin and they're really bad. <laughs> it's like we're going to watch society be burned to the ground around us and everyone will go, well, at least we were at least no one called me mean while they did it. <laughs> That's uh, I um, I almost want to replace this stickers where everybody has like a Joe Biden pointing at something uh, like pointing at like the price of gas where it says I did that. I almost want to replace there, replace those with just something that says, "At least it's not a mean tweet, right?" Yeah, that's kind of the bitterness I feel. So, so well, but interestingly, right? So, from from what you're saying here, and and I think it's pretty obvious to a lot of people that all of this is actually couched in the idea of, "Oh, I just want to piss off conservatives." Like, I, I don't, I don't. You know, I don't care about these weirdos. I don't care about like I don't care about those filth poor minorities or you know whoever it is. Right. It, it, this is all yeah. about just pissing off conservatives. Do you think that's why we're getting such poor hot takes where you see something where somebody's like, "Hey, can we not like groom kindergartners with like sexually explicit like learning plans?" And everybody goes, "Why do you hate the gays, Florida?" Yeah, that's exactly why. Because. I'm not. They know. They 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 know. They know that what they're trying to push is unpopular, unreasonable, and ridiculous. And so they have no real argument. It's always something. Well, I can just gonna say anyone that doesn't like it hates the gays, and therefore I therefore it'll keep going on. It'll keep making them upset, and I can just go about my very day knowing that they're being made upset. Like there's no arg- there's no talk discussions of these things there's no arguments of these things they lose every single time they always go well I'm the expert say so, well I saw a study and it's because they know this is ridiculous and they know that the only reason they're doing it the only reason they're pushing it is because it's uh, you know my side says it's good and their side says it's bad. Ooh, Alan, um, HG Cynical on our chat asked a great question that I think you're going to love to cover. Um, his question is this. I wonder how many white supremacists, in quotes, how many white supremacists these douchebags have created just so they can spike the SJW football. I would bet a lot. I'm like, think of the Black Lives Matter riots, the summer of fire in 2020. How many people became more racist because of that? How many people are increasingly becoming racist and white supremacist? And they go, well, let's see. White supremacy is reading to your kids a meritocracy and basically America is a functioning superpower. Well, if that's what white supremacy is, then it clearly isn't that bad. So, do you- And how many people are just simply exhausted? It's like, if I have women around, if I have minorities around, if I have gays around, all I'm going to be is just this con- – I'm just going to be open to too many attacks. If I'm just surrounded by white men, then we can just work and get things done. And I never have to worry about my career or business getting destroyed because none of these white men are going to are, are capable of doing that if they get offended. Yeah. Like, like if somebody gets their feelings hurt, they don't get they can't run to HR and blame it on anything other than their yeah. feelings being hurt. How many people are right? How many people that never thought about race a day in their life are right now going Ah, a black family's moving in next door. Shit. If we have a if we have an argument about where your hedge is growing, are they going to call like call it racism and I'm going to get fired from my job? Ah, I wish they wouldn't move in. Ah, we got to what if we move to a whiter community where I can rely on my neighbors not pulling the race car and getting me fired? I mean, it's an interesting like it's a worthwhile thought and that that's a discussion that nobody really wants yeah. to have. Because I mean, I I think I think 
there's a very good case to be made if you live that essentially if you pursued a white like a personal white supremacist policy of I'm going to only live in in towns that are full of white people where we my kids are going to go to school with nothing but white people I'm going to work in businesses with nothing but white people if you followed that policy I can understand someone having that uh, having a policy like that simply out of self-preservation because think of how how many possible landmines you could sidestep if that was true for you in your life. But what I you're... understand how there might be a lot of people right now going, I'm going to move to a small town in Idaho so I never have to deal with any of this nonsense ever again. And what... me and my fellow white neighbors are going to vote to make sure we don't teach CRT in schools. We don't teach trans nonsense to our children so that we don't have gay pride parades, so that we don't have minorities getting led off like to like burn down half our city that we can make sure the police department actually does its job and keep the homeless out of here. Like that I think is happening very quietly across the country. Well, now, now, it, but what you're saying here is this isn't based on any sort of hateful thing. This isn't based on anyone actually judging someone per se about like their, it's not, it's not, Oh, I think that these are lesser human beings. It's more about societal Certainly. danger. This is, this is very similar yeah. to, to the types of concerns that, you know, any sort of as as weird as this sounds. Right. So it's been hundreds of years um, that we've had, uh, like, say, blacks in the United States. But suddenly it's almost as if they're a alien and or foreign culture that has suddenly shown up in the United States. And now everyone's worried. Well, shit, like if you're here, you're going to try to fundamentally change everything and therefore, it gets perceived as a threat. It's the same reaction yeah. that you would see in certain communities where suddenly, like, a mosque pops up and everyone's like, oh, like, these people are so fundamental, fundamentally diametric from what we do that this is going to cause some strangeness. And I don't know if I'm right. comfortable with it. And I think it. it's right. And this is about if you objectively look at modern America, culture and governance. You will come away with the fact that there absolutely is a very much racial and identity component to everything that goes on that is very negative to you if you're a white American. Like you are absolutely at a disadvantage when it compared to any of these other people people because the ability to pull the race card or the sexuality card, those have so much power now that you are an absolute disadvantage if you're a normal white American. And I think that that is it just that comes from simply an objective look at it. If you live in a highly diverse community and you project out what will this community be like in 20 years, will it be better for me and my family or will my, me and my family be in a worse position? I think a lot of people can. I think a lot of times in a lot of places you could come to the conclusion of. Things will it, will not be better for me and my family in 20 years if current trends continue. And that's really what it is. It's not about actual racism or bigotry or any of these things. It's about if I look at the trends that have been going on in America over the last 20 years and I project that out into the future, you don't come away with thinking that diversity is any kind of strength, but it is in fact a danger. Right, because because it is because identity is consistently weaponized as a political tool. Exactly. Exactly. Now, so and that's why I think that I, I don't. Anyway, 
You know what I think, but go ahead. <laughs> well, no, because we have the last 10 minutes of the program now. And so I, I would be remiss if we didn't cover the fact of speaking of the whole racial and identity and the obs- basically the obsession with the left and progressives um, with identity uh, being being a, a, a social cudgel and a weapon uh, to keep us from ever unifying. Right. That That's basically in a, in a summary um, that's the point that you're making here is it is something that is constantly utilized for us not to uni- unify. Um, we have to cover uh, an interesting reaction of what we're seeing because of everything that's going on, you know, with Russia and Ukraine of would liberals act the, the way that they are acting towards Russians um, if they weren't white. For example, um, there's several uh, different uh, examples of this, but one being uh, Yuri Gagarin, who was the first man to ever go into space, has had his name removed from an event of, of a space uh, space foundation because he's Russian. That's it. Yeah. He's not even alive. Um, or at least I don't think he is. Um, but he was the first man in space. No, he's not alive. And yeah, I, I didn't think so, but he was the first man in space. There's this you know, yearly event. And since he was the first man in space and the entire idea of these, uh, this event is supposed to be celebrating great achievements in space and great astronauts. Um, the dinner that they have is the Yuri Gagarin dinner. And they're like, Nope, we're not having it. Cause he's Russian, which is amazing. Given the fact that in Ukraine, there's a Yuri Gagarin stadium because even in Ukraine, they celebrate him. Am I yeah. saying his name, right? I want to make sure I did. Yuri Gagarin, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's simply because he's Russian. There have also been several different instances. Uh, I mean, what was it? The uh, Some international, like, cat organization uh, will not let Russian cats compete. Uh, there's an artist who has been vocally outspoken about the war in Ukraine, but because he's Russian, it made too many people uncomfortable, so they canceled his presentation at the Met. Mm. like champagne white coastal liberals are trying to erase anything Russian anything Russian just because it's Russian including things like removing Russian dressing from the supermarket shelves it's utterly ridiculous yeah this is it but who is this for because it's like I don't know. I don't know a single person, regardless of their politics, that look at this and are like, "No, this is a good idea." Like, "Oh no, this is yeah. this is awesome." Like, I seriously, I don't know a single person who's excited by this. I just see people that are like, "This is ridiculous." Like, what is going on? Yeah. So, uh, for example, the Kennedy Center, which, by the way, the Kennedy Center received millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars from U.S. taxpayers regularly. But last week, the Kennedy Center quietly renamed its Russian Lounge, which was a room that was featuring Russian art and culture, is now called Opera House Circles Lounge. Like, so ridiculous. Who is this for? It's all fake. Look, I, I, this is all... There's no way this is an actual reminiscent of any kind of real groundswell grassroots movement. This is all astroturf nonsense to impress people that read the new yorker (laughs) that's a good way to frame it no but like yeah and to that point it's like 
remember in 2001 when liberals were like screaming at the sky because they thought that there were going to be a bunch of hate crimes against Muslims. Um, if people brought up as if people use the word, I mean the, the Obama administration in official, in official communications banned the use of the term Islamic terrorism being used together or Islamic extremism. You were not allowed to use the terms Islamic extremism and terrorism in the same sentence in official communications in the Obama administration. And the claims of that was because they were worried it would quote, inflame hate crimes, which ridiculous. I, I think now when we take a look at what's going on here, well, it was the same thing with COVID. You couldn't talk about how COVID came from Wuhan because it would quote, inflame hate crimes against Chinese people. So, but now they're not worried about that at all, which immediately suggests that they're not actually worried as Alan so aptly put it's not about hate crimes it wasn't about any of that nonsense it wasn't about protecting minorities or protecting anybody from from racism it was specifically just oh well I mean it's Russia so it's white people so who gives a shit yeah like they did it, it's never been about equality that's the difference when people the, the word that most people would normally use is equality, but the left likes to use the word equity. And as far as I can tell, equity means white people lose because that seems to actually be the dominant theory that they have. They, they see right. the social hierarchy as being predominantly white people and a lot of angry race baiting Democrats they want to be at the top of that social hierarchy and they figure that the be- the easiest way for them to do it because they wouldn't be able to do it on like the validity of their arguments or anything like that is, well, I just need to use my race then. Uh, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of different reasons. I am honestly trying to, trying to facet that out is, is, a, is a little, can be a little difficult. Um, but we're on, yeah, we're 100% seeing that. I mean, I, I I enjoy it in the effect of it is so over the top and it is so ridiculous that it is absolutely easy for me to point out and just like looking at, well, number one, we're supporting Ukraine, who we just said banned their opposition political party, is banning opposition media. This is supposedly the democracy you're supposed to fight for. It's so easy for me now to point out and go, of course the Democrats love Zelensky. He's doing exactly what they wish they could do here. And then we point out how they're treating Russians and we go, they're doing this just because of Russians, but they're going to do it to you too. They're just testing the grounds to see whether or not anyone will rise up. And then they'll just make you the enemy They'll make right. your next, they're, they're going to make the, uh, the right wing's next presidential candidate, Vladimir Putin, and see whether or not they can sanction all of us because they've already tested this. So why wouldn't they try it here? I mean, they're, they're probably seeing what social policies Zelensky can use to keep himself in power, um, to see whether or not like, okay, well, this is what happened to Zelensky. So we have to prepare for that. <laughs> so that seems to be it, but that's going to have to be it for our show today. Um, we'll definitely check back next week, Sunday, at noon Eastern to 2. And uh, obviously, we'll be sure to bring you as best information as we possibly can. But that's going to be it for today. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.
Thank you.